tattoos on them. And they all had, I don't even remember what was written on the back of their vest. And uh, I, I, I looked at them, and uh, I did the same thing that you do. I had a preconceived idea of what, who and what they were. And they were all standing there having a cup of coffee, and they walked back outside. And I thought, man, this place is going to roar when they start their motorcycles to leave out of here. I paid for the gas, went back out, got in the vehicle, went to leave. I pulled around the side of the gas station, and here all of those men were, and I mean, built like me. And I was expecting Harley Davidsons to be sitting outside, and there was a herd of about 15 scooters. And all of them were on their scooters, and I had to sit there and laugh for a moment as they all took out, and you see, Going up, going up the road. I had a preconceived notion based upon what I saw. Now the Bible talks to us about what we see. And the Bible says this, that our eyes, what our eyes see, ought to affect our heart. It ought to affect our heart. I had somebody tell me <clears throat> a couple years back, said one of the worst things that my wife can see on television is the SPCA commercial. He said, I can always look at the bank record and tell when my wife has seen an SPCA commercial. Why? Now, you know, I've, I've watched them over the last couple months. They put on the puniest, sorriest-looking animals. Why do they do that? Because they're trying to reach the heart of people. Why are they doing that? Because it, they know that if they can reach the heart of people they can reach what the wallet of people the bible tells us that we need to have caring eyes now when peter and john and a few verses later we'll get into in, the, in this morning's lesson when peter and john saw them their eyes locked and there were caring eyes looking at these men and let's go to be if we can please caring hands to lift the man caring hand. It, it involved not just seeing. You see something and nod your head at it. You see something and throw a quick prayer over it. But it involved more than that. Caring hands to lift the man. Uh, Peter did not walk idly by. He walked over and it says that he took him by the right hand. Now remember, this guy has to have no confidence. He's 40 years old. He's never walked before. So when somebody just says to him, arise, yeah, right. He has no confidence in himself. He doesn't know who Peter and John are. He really has no confidence in them. And so it, it needed to happen that Peter would reach over and get him and take a physical hold on him. And the scripture said, and he lifted him, carrying eyes, carrying hands. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10, 9 and 10 talks about Two being better than one. Talks about the blessing of being able to have two. Roman numeral number three this morning, if you would. The praise of the healed man. So Peter reaches over, takes him by the hand, lifts him up. Suddenly the guy's legs come up underneath him. And for the first time in his life, he's walking. He has never experienced this before. Think what, what physical difference this is. He's never looked anybody eye to eye. He has always looked up at people. 
He's never stood with anyone else. Life has greatly changed at this moment, and we see the praise. Look, if you would, Acts chapter 3 and verse 8. And he leaping up stood, and, or, and he uh, lift, leaping up stood and walked and entered with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Who was? I think it's a combination here. I think, yes, the lame man is walking and leaping and praising God, but I think Peter and John also have a part of that because it's with great joy that they see these things that have happened. He never had walked before. He had never leapt before. Think of this. He had never been in the temple before. Oh, preacher, how do you get that? Because he was considered an unclean man. Because of where life had him, because of being lame. You remember another passage of Scripture where it was looked at with someone who could not walk? And remember the questions that they asked, the religious people asked? Who did sin? This man or his parents? And so because he was lame, it was looked on that he was at fault and that he was a sinner and he had no place in the temple. He wasn't welcome there. So it's the first time he'd walked. It's the first time he'd leave. It's the first time he's ever been in the temple. Life has greatly changed for him. Look at A. His praise was a witness of God's power. His praise was a witness of God's power. I believe that, the, the, uh, that here we're seeing a man with new life. And I think we're seeing a man with a new zeal. And it's not in and of himself because he knew that every day he would be at the same place. Life would never be any different with him for 40 years. This is all he's ever experienced. And now life has totally changed. A praise, his praise was a witness of God's power. God did something for him that he could not do for himself. And 2 Corinthians in chapter number 5 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now, I believe that that goes beyond just spirit. It goes into our physical lives as well. B, if you would, filling in, his praise was watched by the people. It will be amazing in a few minutes to see the reaction of people. But it was watched by the people, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. So they're watching. All the people are seeing. Imagine the temple is packed for worship that day. And these people have walked. Imagine those that have given alms to him. But imagine those who had never given anything to him. And suddenly here he is, Peter and John walking in, and he is walking with them, and all of the people are looking on. His praise was a witness of God's power. His praise was watched by the people, and uh, the people saw what was going on, saw what was happening, and saw what the power of God had done in his life. Now we want to move, if we can, this morning into today's lesson, caring, last week, caring uh, makes a difference in life. Now, we're moving, and it's, it's, not, uh, it's not something that's beyond God's control that we're doing this sort of joint today, uh, adding last week's and this week's together. Caring makes a difference. And now, being spirit-filled makes the difference. The last verse that we just read said, and all the people watched, but all the people didn't like it. All the people weren't satisfied with it. 
And sure fact is, as we continue to read in Acts chapter 4, we'll get up to verse 29 through verse 31 in a few moments, we find out that they weren't pleased. I've come to this conclusion. You can't please everyone all the time. I've also come to this conclusion. There's some people you can never please. Now, you're going to see a spirit-filled difference here. Now, they had just seen a man who had sat at the temple door, at the temple gate for 40 years begging. They're seeing him walk. They're seeing him rejoice in what God has done for him. The temple leaders weren't too happy with that. And there's some things that we'll study as we go through this. Acts chapter 3 in the early part on the way to the temple. In the middle part uh, and toward the end of it being criticized uh, by the religious group. And then Acts chapter 4, what happens as we're moving into chapter 4, the man who's been healed, the religious group rises up and they begin to complain and question and by what authority do you do that? And we'll, we'll talk about those things in a little while this morning. But when you come to chapter 4, guess what? They're arrested. They're arrested for the good thing that they just did. Now, Peter and John, their authority is brought under attack by, by what power do you do this? By what name do you do this? We met this week with a church planner going to plant the Newport News Baptist Church. And uh, some older pastors were there encouraging Ben, who has never been a pastor before. And we discussed for a long time. One of them said, you have to grasp from day one the authority of God, the authority of the church. I want us to look. The sad part about the criticisms were who they were coming from. This was the religious people, supposed to be spirit people, spiritual people. And they're whacking at everything that Peter and John had done, even though they see the blessing over here. Now look at number one, if you would, please. The priority of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are two things that this Bible talks about this morning about being Spirit-filled. The Bible tells us, one, that there are gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it also tells us, two, that there are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And it's a good thing to stop and examine ourselves, not somebody else, but examine ourselves as to where we are with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Acts chapter 4, look if you would at verse number, uh, at verse number uh, 18, I believe it is, or verse 8, eight, verse eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, saith unto them, ye rulers of the people and ye elders of Israel. Now notice it says that he is filled with the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not needed for just the preacher or just the missionary, or just the youth, the youth director, or the music director, or this person, or this person. The filling of the Holy Spirit is for every saved believer. The filling of that Holy Spirit. For example, in Ephesians chapter 5, the New Testament, it's the classic chapter on marriage. And do you know what the Scripture says about marriage? Our marriages need to be spirit-controlled and spirit-led. Marriages fail oftentimes today, and I think sometimes it's because the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not being used, are not being accessed as they should. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18, we all know the verse, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm not here today, this is the subject of the lesson today, to say, okay, well, we can, be, we can have wine, just not to the place that it's excess. And we, that's a different battle, a different message for a different day. But when someone begins to drink, they become under the influence or that which changes the spirit. My grandfather, when he would drink, at what time, I, a very limited time that I was around him, but his spirit changed. My grandfather was a, a good grandfather, so to speak, outside the alcohol when he wasn't drinking. But as soon as he put it in him, it would change, and he would, he would get mean. He would get aggressive. The Bible talks about the different things that alcohol does with that. But that which changes the spirit. Look at A, if you would, the Holy Spirit, first of all. Who and what is the Holy Spirit to us? If we're talking about being spirit-filled, and Peter did what he did in healing this lame man at the temple gate, but the Bible says that he's filled with the Spirit, then what, and it, what is the Holy Spirit and how is it accessed? A, we find this, the Holy Spirit is our promise. The Holy Spirit is our promise. John chapter 16, uh, this is following the story of the upper room. The Lord explained to his disciples what had to happen. John chapter 16 and verse 7, I believe it's there for you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart... I will send him unto you. Now, look down at uh, Acts chapter 1, and verse number, beginning of verse number 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? The promise of the Father was this. When Jesus ascends, then God the Trinity, in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit would come. And he would be with us always. That's why the verse of promise that Jesus says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But wait a minute, he went to heaven. He's not here with us. How can Jesus say that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is our promise. It is our promise. He is our promise. And after the resurrection and before his ascension, as Jesus went up, he explained the Holy Spirit's ministry and what it was. A, we find the Holy Spirit is our promise. B, we find this, and I probably should get the screen back up and on, right? B, we find the Holy Spirit is our power. The Holy Spirit is our power. Now, looking at that, we find it in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What Peter did, he did not through his own power, but he did this through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a lot, there are a lot of charlatans when it comes to healing in our day. Man cannot heal in and of himself. I get tired of seeing all these guys put on the show. I was having, uh, Dad and I were having lunch with uh, Dave Gibbs, I believe I've told you this before. Dave Gibbs of Christian Law Association, we were having lunch or dinner, one of the two with him, just fellowship with him, and he told us a story he was in Florida at that time, and one of the customers, one of the people that he did business with was an officer in the church that was pastored by Benny Hinn. And he asked him, sitting across the table from him, he said, tell me about the healing in your church. And of course, you probably all have seen something that 
Benny Hinn does when he blows on people and screams at people and does all the different things that he does and, and they all faint and pass out and all that. So the officer in the church was asked this by Dr. Gibbs. And here was his response. Oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't happen in our church. That's a part of the show. That's literally what he said. No, that's regulated. That is a part of the show. And that's the way the world see, sees healing today. And that, when we talk about God healing or Christ healing someone, a lot of people today have the charlatans in mind. Why was Peter able to heal the lame man? Peter wasn't. Peter didn't heal the lame man. God healed the lame man. It was beyond Peter's power. It wasn't his power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that was a promise to Peter and to the disciples that were there. If I go, he will come. Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's why chapter 4 is not so astounding at the critics. When the religious people began to cut and stab. And by what power do you do this? What authority? Who told you you could do this? That's the type of questions that are being asked of them. So we see the Holy Spirit's power. Now, His power enables us today in our lives. How does this power affect us? It enables us to refuse sin. It, 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 it allows us to fight temptation. It allows us to have an enablement for forgiveness. And the only way we're ever going to accomplish anything of eternal significance. Now, be mindful of what I just said, of eternal significance. There are some people that are making a lot of earthly significance. They're doing big things on the earth. And it's not going to mean anything in heaven. The Bible tells us as Christians to do eternal work, not earthly work. Yeah, there's earthly work that has to be done, but so many people are mindful of doing something big on earth and they do little in heaven. And so we need to be mindful of that. Anything that we're going to do of eternal significance, anything that we're going to do in miraculous proportion is going to be done through the power and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Look at number two, if you would, please. The pathway to being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we get there? Many other believers were filled with the Holy Spirit besides Peter. It wasn't just Peter and John. And the Holy Spirit is not just for the apostles or for the preachers or for the missionaries. In Acts chapter 4, look at verse 31, if you would, please. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. What happens, what happens when they are filled with the Holy Ghost? There is a boldness that comes over them. Now, remember, I may get ahead of myself a little bit. But remember what and who Peter was beforehand. Peter was not a very confident person. Peter was not a very polished person. 
And people knew that. In fact, do you remember, do you remember how, what their testimony of before men were? The Bible says that their testimony was this. They are ignorant and unlearned fishermen. That's it. Before the filling of the Holy Spirit, that's how people saw them. If you'd read through this in the entirety of this passage of Scripture and Acts chapter 1, what you see is amazing. That when they were under the filling of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says this, that these ignorant and unlearned fishermen turned the world upside down. But notice what this verse that we just read said that they all spoke with boldness. Do you know why some people have a very difficult time with verbal, physical, face-to-face witness? Many of us, it's because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. And some people don't witness in a very physical way because of fear. That's not the Spirit that God has given us. Let's look together at a few things with this that we made this morning. What is the pathway then to being filled with the Holy Spirit? A is to connect with God, to connect with God. Give priority to spending time with God in prayer and in Bible study. You say, preacher, that's said every week in this facility. I wish I didn't have to say it. What is the priority of our lives today? Acts chapter 4, look at verse 13, the middle to latter part. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now let me ask you this. You, you get up, you go to work in the morning. How many people at your place of work, how many of your, if you're in sales, how many of your customers, how many people that you come in contact with tomorrow will say that of you? How many people that I come in contact with will say that of me? And they took knowledge. They had been with God. They see something very different with this. The Holy Spirit filling results from time being spent with Jesus. Now, I don't know how I did this. I don't have a clue how I did this. I don't know where it came from or what button I pushed. But every Sunday morning, at about 9.15, exactly, my phone goes off. Every Sunday morning at 9.15 for the last four Sundays. And I, I well, I wonder if somebody must be sick. I've got to cover Sunday school class, this, this, this. And I pull my phone out, and here's what it says. This is your week in review. This is how much time you spent in research. This is how much time you spent in, and I've got a couple of different Bible things on my phone. This is how much time you spent with this, and this is how much time you spent reading. These are the minutes that you spent on phone calls. You sent this many texts, you received this many texts, and you were on social media this amount of minutes. This week, the use of your phone was down 11% or up 30% or wherever it happens to be depending on the week. Do you know what I figured out in the last four weeks that this has happened? It begins to show you a little about priority. What you're doing. So first we connect with God and it's got to be priority. 
In Luke chapter 10, do you remember Martha? Wasn't Martha doing a good thing? My mother, when we were growing up, we constantly had anybody that preached at the church, or missionaries or evangelists or even our preacher. I remember when I was a little kid, uh, Brother DeHaven was our pastor. It was not unusual for us to be in our pajamas and on our way to bed and for the pastor to call and ask my dad because he was mentoring my dad. He'd ask my dad, do you think Charlotte could cook any eggs tonight? It was not unusual for him to show up at 10 o'clock for a breakfast meal and sit with dad and mentor him and talk to him. But mom always had the gift of hospitality with those people. She always brought out the best dishes for them and I always embarrassed her well because I was a little kid and I wanted to chime in on conversations and my wife is the only one in this room that knows the most embarrassing moment when I chimed in on one of the conversations and I thought my parents would die. My mom would work and labor and everybody would sit down at the table to eat. She's still up, making sure. She's still this way today if you go there. Your glass is never going to be empty. She's constantly up. Sit, sit down. If I want more drink, I'll go get more drink. Well, Martha was to that degree and worse. Jesus was a guest in their house. She's preparing for them. She is zoned in. She has blinders on. The only thing she can see is the table, the meals, the decoration. The dessert and is the I started to say ham but that might not have been the case is the turkey right is this right is this right that's all she saw do you remember what she did though she lost priority doing a great job of what she did but Jesus said Martha you're cumbered and troubled about many things but there's one thing that is needful and you've missed it and I'm paraphrasing you've missed it Mary has found it, and you've missed it. So first, connect with God. That's got to be priority. B, confess to God. Forsake the sin and the weights, as the Scripture tells us, that prevent us from being filled with the Spirit. Psalm 66 and verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, that doesn't say He cannot hear you. It says He will not hear you. When he knows that there's iniquity in our hearts, he refuses to hear us. The Lord will choose not to hear us. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And so we have to connect with God. We have to make God the priority. We have to spend time hearing from God and talking to God, we have to confess. We have to uh, figure out where we are and what we are like with our sin and anything that is, is in us. And the Bible says in Hebrews in chapter number 12, I believe it is, it talks about uh, the sin, the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And weights are things, I've told you before, weights are things that are not wrong. They eventually become wrong. They originally are not sins, but they become sin. Lay those things aside. And the sin that does so easily beset us. It's my sin, my problem. Some of us, once we're saved, we think that we're no longer sinners. We refuse to confess our sin and who we really are. And so we have to confess our sin. C, we find this, and that is call on God. If you want the Heavenly Father to bestow the Holy Spirit's presence and power on us, as he has promised that he would do. 
then it's going to take a calling upon God. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So He gave it to us at salvation, but there's more to the Holy Spirit. There's something about the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's something about and again, back to the verse where it talks about be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The verse is talking about being under the influence of, being under the power of, being under the control of. There's a lot of people who know what it is to lose the battle with being under the control of a substance. And the illustration with this is far greater than what man is giving credibility for. Man is too busy arguing over the word excess. And okay, so we can do this or we can do that back and forth. The whole point of the verse is not what is excess or can you drink. It's the command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Bring yourself to that place, calling upon God. And then notice at the end of that verse, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Every day of our lives, we ought to ask God to allow the Holy Spirit to move through us, move us, and work with us. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And just as a, a firefighter's suit, and I saw last night, uh, or this morning, one of the two, a, a house fire in which there was a, a fireman that was injured and somebody else that was injured. But when a, when a fire crew gets to the scene, you'll see them, in fact, on the way. <clears throat> and sometimes even before they leave, the fire equipment is laid out so that it is easily accessed and put on. Now that fire equipment, you can have all the flame retardant materials making up that suit that you want. But if it's laying at the firehouse, it's not going to affect a fire. When does the fire outfit, the firefighter suit, all of his equipment, when does it become a used or usable thing? By that which is inside of it. It's sort of a simple picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of us, using us to perform that which is God's will. We become submissive to that by calling on God. Galatians in chapter number 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what that is? That's saying I become spirit control. We, I'm speaking to all of us here, we like control. We like control. Uh, was picking dad up the other day he had some service done on his vehicle i was in the vehicle with him he was driving and so we'll show you something that's that's pretty cool about this car and most of you've seen it it's not something that's rare to cars anymore it's just rare to somebody who's been in cars for a long time he said look at this and he showed me on the air conditioner he said on the air conditioner and heat on my side of the car i can have it wherever i want it and over here, see these buttons? 
Your mom can have it where she wants it. Of course, I didn't get into the discussion. You're in the same car. It's the same air. It's going to blend somewhere along the way. But isn't it amazing that somebody in engineering said, hmm, one of the things inside of a car that causes struggle and difficulty and marriage issues is temperature control. Now, here's what I'm, I'm waiting on them to put a second steering wheel in. <clears throat> because I want my wife to have something other than the dashboard to grab a hold of. Can you imagine if a car had two steering wheels? Where in the world that thing would be? And there's some people who are thinking, there's some ladies in here who just thought, ooh, I want to know who sells that car. I say all that today. You know what? We like control. We like control. I, I like control. I, I, I like to know. I, I get tickled at, at, at our kids. I'm planning next week, next month, next year. The, these folks that are in their 20s and 30s, they're planning for the end of church today. That they're spur-of-the-moment people. But in my mind, I'm thinking ahead. You know what? Because I'm a controlling person. I like to have control of things. I like to know what's happening, when it's going to happen. I like to have those things set up. That is a strength, but it's also a weakness. Because in our Christian lives, a lot of times, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to control we don't, I was talking to someone, John Nichols this morning was telling me about passing out a track this week. You know, in this day and age to pass out tracks, it's one, it's bold, it's necessary, it's needful, it's pro productive, yes. But he was telling me about the conversation that he had with somebody and, and how they said, well, I was baptized. And his response was, well, that's not enough. We, we like to be in control, and therefore, it's hard for us oftentimes to allow the Holy Spirit to control. Now, notice again what these people said. When they saw what had happened, they recognized that these people had been with Jesus. The verse of him, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Go to D if you would with us this morning. Continue with God. Continue with God. We have two verses of scripture that apply with that. And that is Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. This I say then... Walk in the Spirit. We talked about walking last week. We'll not spend a, any of our time this morning looking at that. But to be walking with someone, you have to be going the same direction. To be walking with someone, it helps if you're pacing with that person. And so it's important that we continue with God. One by walking, Galatians chapter 5, verse 26. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. When we're walking with him, if we acknowledge him as we're walking with him at the pace that God is taking us in life, 
He directs our path. That means he's just one step in front, just one step ahead in order to be directing. Look at number three, if you would, please. That's the product of the being filled with the Holy Spirit. What is the product? Come to verse 29, verse number 30, if you would. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servant that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. We find here, A, the Spirit produces a bold witness. The Spirit produces a bold witness. Verse 13 of chapter 4, Now when the multitude saw the boldness of Peter and John, when the Holy Spirit came, boldness was there. Courage was there. And the folks marveled that these people had changed so much. That boldness, the boldness that God wants to exercise with His message does not come naturally to us. It's not natural for us to witness of Christ. It is a spiritual thing that's given to us under the promise and the presence of that Holy Spirit. A spirit produces, the Spirit produces a bold witness. Look at B, if you would, please. And that is, the Spirit produces a steady walk. The Spirit produces a steady walk. Acts chapter number 4, and verse number 18 through 20, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. And so there was a threat put to them. We come to the next verse, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We don't know if this is legal or not. We don't know if this is right in your eyes or not. But what you need to understand is we cannot help but speak. It, we have to tell. You ever had something happen to you that you had to tell somebody? You got excited about it or there was some intrigue about it? I was going over to Highland Springs yesterday morning, was coming up Airport Road, and suddenly Henrico County police cars started passing me and they're doing about 100 miles an hour, maybe 110 miles an hour. I wanted to join in. Made it to the apartment complex, sitting there at an airport in Nine Mile. I came to a complete stop. They had the road blocked off. One police officer standing at the road holding his hands up. They had a whole crew, probably seven or eight cars over here, and people everywhere. And then police officers running with their guns drawn across the road over to the Hardy's parking lot. They were all hungry. They ran over to the Hardy's parking lot. They're surrounding one particular car. And I'm sitting in the slow lane because I was going to make a right-hand turn. And I noticed the woods beside it, had, there were police in there too. And I noticed they were walking across the road looking at, at the road, evidently looking for bullet shells. I said, man, this is exciting. So I pull my phone out. I take a picture of all these police cars. And I, was to, and then I send it to my wife and I said, listen, I'm not driving. Don't worry about that. I'm just sitting here in the middle of the road. Look at all these police. And I don't know what all happened there. But suddenly, out of the woods on my right-hand side, there came three police officers pulling this huge guy out of the woods, and he had leaves all over him. I thought, wow, i got to tell somebody. 
Now, that's in, a, that's in a physical sense. In a spiritual sense, when God does something for you. Well, what a testimony God has given Mary Martin. You know, there's a lot of people who say, well, that's what chemotherapy and radiation did. It's her privilege to say, that's what my God did. And God used these things. And so we find, A, it produces a bold witness, B, a steady walk, and C, it, the Spirit produces a divine work. It produces a divine work. In verse number 30, by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child, Jesus. And then finishing up, 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power, of God, uh, power may be of God and not of us. How is that? That's through the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so caring, we finished that today, and we also attacked the filling of the Holy Spirit. Makes a tremendous difference in the lives of people. I want to encourage you this week to study along this line, if you would. What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? What gifts of the Holy Spirit do I have? What are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? And examine our lives and see where we are in the gifts and in the fruits. And a lot of the things that we think are of the Spirit are not. Let's stand and be dismissed in prayer. Choir, room's ready for you. Make your way quickly back that way if you would, please. Brother Jim Sampson, would you dismiss us, please?